We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Everybody, a hump day edition of Sports Daily. Paul Savage in for Tommy Castor today. I'm Jacob Albrock, Jad Chambers producing for us. Big show on the way. We have Brian Haney coming up later in this hour to talk Kansas Jayhawks. College game day coming into town. Can they keep it coming? All things Jayhawks. Also, uh, we'll play you some audio from Lance Leipold yesterday as it pertains to the Uh, Wisconsin job so a lot of KU in this first hour Uh, we'll hit on K-State a little bit we think in the second hour we've got all kinds of good stuff and we got Paul Savage in here on the perfect day the historian that he is the collector that he is he's a memorabilia guy I'm not so it'll make for good conversation around a certain home run ball that has now uh, become a thing as of last night Paul Savage, that's, of course, because Aaron Judge finally broke Roger Maris' American League record, 62 home runs, did it in Arlington at the Rangers ballpark, a very clear uh, catcher of that home run ball. But Judge does it. Let's start with Judge, Paul, and we'll get to the home run ball later in the show. But history made last night, and I kind of want to get your opinion on what kind of history it was. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I think this is going to be a fun morning, particularly with Aaron Judge and the fact that we now have a new American League. Now, you notice I said American League home run leader because there's a lot of juice being played in, in in the media with regards to the fact that we knew, now have a new guy. And, of course, when you look at it in terms of a historic uh, uh, feat, you know, look at the names he's bypassing. I mean, Roger Maris. I mean, that record's been around for 60-plus years. Look at Babe Ruth. We're talking about basically iconic figures in the world of baseball, almost religious names in the world of baseball. And the fact is that he breaks this record uh, and uh, yet, on the other hand, on the National League side of things, there's three guys that have more than 62 home runs. 
Man, oh man! In all the coverage that we've been getting in the last week or so, how many how many references to Bonds or McGuire or Sosa are you hearing? I heard my first one today, in a, in a long, long time. I heard my first reference to those guys today. So it's obvious to me that this is the record. This is the big record. This is the record that counts. And so, with that being said, you know, there's no more iconic number. In, in all of sports, I said all of sports, including football, basketball, you name it, than how many home runs in a single season. I think it's the most iconic number, 60, then 61, and now 62. I think it's the most iconic number in all of baseball, in all of sports. What do you think? Yeah, I, it is. It is the iconic number. I do think that it is the record. If you had to single out a record in sports, it would be the one. Um, you know, I. It, it's, it's not that complicated to me how this should be handled. Um, I but but on an, in an official capacity, I, I I would simplify it, Paul. Both records exist, just like they did before, right? Like, nothing really changes except you change the name from Roger Maris to Aaron Judge. Because for a lot of people, Roger Maris did have the record anyway. And the other record exists, of course, historically. And generally speaking, baseball fans and the people that care about that record understand the cloud that hangs over the other record. So... To me, nothing changes other than the name, and it's Aaron Judge now, and whether you want to call him the true home run champion, the AL home run champion, or whatever you want to call him, both records are there. They both coexist, and I don't think that needs to change. We're smart people, Paul, <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah. We know that Aaron Judge's 62 is different than Bonds's 73. We, we just know it is. And we all because we knew that already with Maris and Bonds, right? We know what comes with Bonds' record. Nothing about that has to change. You can't just erase those years because if you start to go down that path, it's a hot mess because pitchers were juicing, other hitters were juicing. Like you can't now, what do you do with hits and batting averages and wins and losses and World Series champions and like all of the things that would go into trying to do something like that? Leave it alone. Mm -hmm. We all know what was going on. We knew what was going on when it was happening. So just let it be. Well, That's a record, right? But right. here's what comes with that record. There's also this other record, which doesn't come with anything. And you can call it whatever you want. But Aaron Judge is the home run champion. And Bonds is also a home run champion in a different way. And whichever one you choose to, you know, go for, it doesn't really matter because both exist. And both have always existed anyway. Well, and 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 one of the things that I will point out is that you're too young to remember this. I think you're too young to remember this. There was a day back in the day when when we talked about Roger Maris's record. It was different than Babe Ruth's record, partly because of well, in fact, mostly because of the of the amount of games that were played in a in a regular season. I think it was like three games more, four games more. I can't remember the exact number, but Roger Maris got his sixty one home runs, uh, if you remember, in, in in a season that's a little bit longer than what Babe Ruth got his sixty. Thus, 
there were those who said, well, you know, I don't know about that record. I, I'm not sure that we can call Babe, uh, Babe Ruth's record and now Roger Maris's record. I'm not sure about that. There was a lot of debate, lots of debate. Well, time has come and gone. And we don't talk about, well, but, you know, but Roger Maris had a couple extra games to get that 60, 61st home run. It doesn't seem fair. doesn't seem right. Well, that, that time has come and gone. It's just the sheer feat of 61 home runs is amazing in a baseball season, particularly in, now, you know, in modern baseball, which I will say in the 60s was still modern baseball. It was certainly different than the 30s, 40s, and 50s. But anyway, my point is, is that, that we look at these records and they're so special. I find it interesting. We're not talking about National League, but it seems like to me that now the designation of the AL home run leader is complete, taken care of. And from a practical standpoint, you know, you know for sure, Jacob, you know me well enough that I'm going to look at the money aspect of, of this Aaron Judge feat of, of 62 home runs. And by the way, I don't know if it's going to be 62. There's another game to be played. So we have another, what, at least four or five bats. I'm assuming he's going to take his cuts uh, this afternoon uh, when they play that last game of the regular season. It may be 63, maybe 64 home runs. We don't know. We'll find out. I'm sure a lot of people will be paying attention, as you and I will be, to see what happens with that. But uh, I look, at, I look at, at this record and I think to myself, this is really so special. And by the way, Jacob, is there another record in sports that maybe you think is, is important that, that would be close to the, to the, the single-season home run, run, run? Would it be 2,000 yards in pro football? Would it be uh, 2,000 points in, in a college basketball career, which no one gets anymore because they go to the NBA? No, well, what it, what, I, I don't is there think a so. Record, is there a record that interests no. you that maybe grabs you? No, because – in football, we have different numbers of games, and I and I understand that we have that in baseball. But baseball's number of games hasn't changed in so long. The record single season, you know, the non pitching records anyway, you know, different guy. You know, the games changed, and guys don't get two hundred hits anymore, and those kinds of things. But home runs, a home runs, a home runs, a home run, right? Like that's not something that's really changed. Guys have always tried to hit home runs, and they always will try to hit home runs. Why wouldn't they? Um, the football season has changed. The game of football is, is honestly changed a little bit too much. 2,000 yards rushing is still really cool. Oh, it is. They get an extra game to get there. Right. But it's not like a record. Maybe if you set the single season rushing record. Well, maybe so. Uh, that would be there. Good but point. even, you know, even when quarterback numbers happen, you're like, yeah, but the game has changed so much. Home runs haven't really changed. More guys are trying to hit more of them, and overall guys hit more of them. But singularly... It hasn't really changed since Babe Ruth was doing it to Aaron Judge is doing it. Dudes are trying to hit the ball out of the yard, right? Like, that's what they're trying to do. Right. And for a long time, they haven't been able to do it at that clip outside of the steroid era when, of course, everything went nuts. But it's taken this long. If you you discount and push to the side what happened in the steroid era, and again, you got to let it be there because – how many home runs did steroids directly influence? I have no idea. Mark McGuire, you know, prior to becoming the Incredible Hulk, was hitting home runs at a clip we hadn't seen at a young age. So, and Barry Bonds, we already know, was one of the greatest players with or without steroids. But it's taken this long to get to judge. 
And quite frankly, Paul, we really haven't been particularly close until this year, right? Right. Outside, if you take the steroid era and push it to the side, like we haven't really flirted with this record much since Roger Maris. That's how big and impossible this record is. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it always will. And I just don't think there's anything that captures the nation's attention like a home run chase. Right. I mean, it saved the game in 1998. It did. That's right. Now, it did. it's not quite that, you know, impactful now. But still, we were cutting in. Everybody was talking about it. Non-baseball fans were talking about it, which is exactly what you want if you're baseball. It still has that magical effect. And one of the reasons it does is because it's taken this long to get to this point. And Aaron Judge did it. And who Paul, it may be another 60 years before somebody gets, you know, to the to the new record. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just it's that difficult. Right. Well, I, I'm I'm going to tell you right now, you kind of jogged the way I look at things. And I in my own head, I, I think you, you had a lot of really good points. And so let's take a, a career record. Uh, let's say like 100,000 yards. Now, Tom Brady has a shot at 100,000 yards. And, and he may, he may not get it. He may not play long enough to get it. But let's say he gets a historic 100,000 yards in passing. Your point was, I think your point was, at least this is what I got from it. You jogged my mind into this particular thought process. And that is that with Tom Brady, 100,000 yards, what an accomplishment. Oh, my gosh. That'll be amazing. But on the other hand, he had some good receivers in his career. He had some pretty good offensive linemen in his career. He had some running backs that could block at the point of uh, or at the line of scrimmage pretty well. He had running backs who who made it impossible just to concentrate on on the pass, and they had to concentrate on the run as well. A lot of ingredients. I think you would agree with a hundred thousand yards in one's career. A lot of ingredients and a lot of people participating in that record. That's not Tom Brady's record, 100,000 yards, if he gets there. It'll be every offensive lineman who blocked, every receiver who caught a pass, every every running back who picked up a yard to free up uh, the passing game for whichever team he was playing for at the time. A lot of people involved. Baseball. Aaron Judge. He steps to the plate. All his teammates are in the dugout, aren't they? All his teammates cannot help him at the plate. Yeah. He's facing yeah. he's facing basically the best pitchers in all of the world with regards to uh one by one you throw you throw a pitcher at Aaron Judge and he faces him and he faces him alone. I think that now that's what I got out of kind of what you just said and I think it's important. And I think because of that that you're exactly right that the home run record that Aaron Judge has broken might be the single most important, hard-obtained uh, record that there is in all of sports. I, th- I really think you're exactly right. It's not the hardest to obtain, but it's the most impactful. And, well, you know, there, there are other records we're not going to see broken, right? Like, right. We, we know that because the game changes. But right. the game's not going to change in the sense that guys aren't trying to hit home runs. Well, that's true. Now, it, it more guys hit more home runs, but by the same light, pitchers – are better than they've ever been before as far as just pure stuff, right? You, you know, holistically. Um, that That's just the way it works. I mean, athletes, 
you know, through technology and everything else, generally speaking across all sports, get a little better with time. Now you have, that doesn't mean that X player is better than X player because the old guy, you know, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is as technology changes and the game changes, it's still just as hard to hit home runs because pitchers have changed the way they pitch to, to hitters, right? They're trying to strike them out. They're doing all these things. They're not trying to let them put it in play as much. So it it is just, it is, it, it's a record that means something to just about everybody. It's a record that isn't that complicated because you get, right, two records essentially. You have Bonds as 73, which comes with a cloud of cheating, and you have now Judge as 62. And both of those things can coexist, just like they've coexisted since Bonds set the record and you still had Maris as 61, right? Like it's not that difficult for them to coexist. I don't think Bonds as 73 to something we'll talk about later makes Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball worth anything less. Like, it's, you know, there's a reason for that. Right. Because people value it right. that way. All right. And, and as fans, you can put a monetary value to it, but it puts, it puts a sentimental value on it, which is why it's worth what it's worth. All right. Well, I'm going to so, ask you, can I ask you a question? There we Just, go. I'm going to ask you a yep. question right now, real quick. Who holds the single-season uh, record for home runs in Major League Baseball? Uh, well, I would answer it with Barry Bonds has seventy three, but no, he, you know, I want, came I want a, no, I, that's no, that is the answer. I, there isn't that, a one word answer for it, and I'm totally okay with that. Are you? Oh well, yeah, okay. I, I mean, what I, would I, you I, have said before? What would you have said before Aaron Judge got to sixty two? I would have probably said Roger Maris, partly because uh, I think that that I really don't know who all was taking steroids back in the day when when Barry Bonds and Sosa and and McGuire were, were involved in, in all their uh, their things that they were doing on the field and off the field, I might add. I, I don't know. I think it was, I think it was an unfair uh, uh, field of competition, some taking steroids, some not taking steroids. And at this point, uh, unless we actually know everybody was taking him and everybody was playing on an even field, I've got to go with I've got to go with Aaron Judge as having more home runs. In one so season. you're just ignoring bonds? I, if somebody I, were to ask that, you, you wouldn't even acknowledge it? I, Ten years ago, I might not have. But as time has gone by, yes. And I think the media is ignoring it. I think fans are ignoring the fact that Bonds has 73. I don't hear hardly any mentions of Barry Bonds. But man, oh man, do I hear mentions of Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, and and, yeah, and, and it might be a question better answered with time as we let time, it settle in. Time's and see an how it sits a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Time, that's a yeah. that's a good way of putting it, Jacob. Time, time has a way of healing and correcting all these kind of things, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, we're going to get back to this because I want to talk to Paul, the collector, about uh, this baseball um, and and some of the things that go into that. It's a really interesting now dynamic for the guy who caught it. But we'll talk about all that later. Because we've got Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, coming up. We'll uh, we'll get deep into the Jayhawks here as they welcome in college game day and TCU, a ranked showdown at Lawrence coming up, and we'll talk to Brian Haney about it next.
Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Paul Savage alongside you. Making our way through a Wednesday edition. Big football week coming up. Our biggest slate of high school football games we've had thus far coming up on Friday, Saturday. Uh, two, again, critical Big 12 football games. K-State going up to Ames for a little Farmageddon. Uh, and you got, of course, College Game Day coming into Lawrence as the Kansas Jayhawks host TCU. In uh, that line, Paul has shifted heavily toward TCU. I think it opened around, I don't know, five or so. Now it's up to seven plus. And the K-State money, I mean, the uh, KU money line has been very fortuitous. Just as a, as, as a general feel as we run down Brian Haney here, and we'll have him in just a minute, Paul. Could you have ever imagined this world where KU football is smack in the middle of the national spotlight? I mean, it's October 5th. Think back to September 5th, Paul. I mean, this has been a wild ride. The buzz in Lawrence is the highest it is anywhere in the country. Uh, no, to answer your question, no, not 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 this quickly. I, I've always been kind of a fan of the current coaching uh, staff, and I thought they've been – from what they were doing and what I could see, it looked really good. It looked like things that I think would make success at a place like KU. But no, who in the world would have ever thought 4-0, nationally ranked, playing a game uh, against another ranked team and having ESPN game day in Lawrence? Come on now. How good does that get? It gets uh, it gets pretty fantastic. All right, let's welcome in Brian Haney now, who's uh, ground zero for it all each and every week. We appreciate his visits with us. Here comes Brian Haney. It's that time, Sports Daily, getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, bro, we had to get you your official intro there, bro. Oh, I mean, come gosh, on. We're, yeah. we're, Heck we're, yes. we're trying to keep pace here with the momentum going on in Lawrence, so we got to go big with it. Welcome in, Brian. How have things <laughs> been going as you guys get ready to welcome in the biggest college football party each week? It's, you know, it's a big-time tradition and, and something I think I, I would guess pretty uh, accurately that everybody up in Lawrence is pretty proud to be doing this weekend. We're pretty proud, no doubt. And I guess I, I figured out where Tommy's at. He's camping at the base of the Campanile right yeah, now. Yeah, he's already, he's already his there. spot for college game day. Good to have Paul with us, though. Always good to hear your voice, Paul. Thanks, Brian. You know, we're fired up. I mean, it's, uh, it was clearly an amazing win on Saturday to, to get to our first 5-0 and start since 2009. And first time back in the polls since October of 2009, which is fabulous, too. But to get game day uh, certainly was, was something we were all hopeful for, but you know, it was in the back of our minds, but you looked at Alabama, A&M, and some of the other matchups, and you thought, well, man, they're probably going to overlook us again. Not this time. And we probably have TCU to thank as much as anything because if they don't go out there and hang 479 yards of offense on Oklahoma in the first half and take the Sooners behind the woodshed, ESPN might not have chosen us this weekend. But they did. We did. You got uh, nine wins between these two teams and no losses heading in, and so we're excited about that and uh, certainly fired up to see if the offense can get back on track. They'll need to against a TCU team that, much like Kansas coming off the Houston week, national team of the week, the quarterback is the national player of the week, Max Duggan. And so I think this one has more of the feeling of a shootout compared to what we saw last week. But, Jacob, it was great to prove that we can win in other ways. 
you know, we talk about that all the time come March Madness that you know you're going to see different defenses in basketball and sometimes you have to prove you can win ugly well clearly Kansas football did that last week if you would have told me that at the 525 mark in the second quarter that the nation's number four offensive team in terms of points per game would be done scoring for the day at 14 I would have thought we had no chance and obviously we caught some fortune and good breaks with two doinked field goals that bounced off the right upright and one that hooked badly at the end of the game and missed everything. But the the number of plays our defense made is really exciting heading into the the rest of the season to think that on a day when the offense just didn't have it, they probably got a little bit conservative with the play calling as a result to see eight tackles for loss, five sacks, big, big interception, great fumble recovery on special teams, to find a way to win ugly and win it in a different fashion, that's really, really encouraging about this team going forward. Yeah, it's interesting, Brian, because I think in special seasons, you've got to have those things occasionally. It's just too difficult in mm-hmm. college football to not have some good luck. And, Kay, you got some good luck there. I, but I do want to say, too, and I want to ask you, really, yes, the offense was slow. Yes, there was good fortune involved in that. However... How much, because we wondered and we have wondered each and every week, would the defense be able to hold up as the competition increased? And through that test, when KU needed the defense to sort of shoulder the load that the offense has shouldered all season long, they did step up to the challenge. I don't know how good Iowa State is offensively, but that's a Big 12 team and KU's defense really stepped up. They really did. You know, Iowa State's defense might be the best we face the rest of the way, maybe in the top two or three at worst. At best, they might be the toughest we face. That quarterback, though, Decker's probably the worst we will have faced the rest of the way. And so that's not to take anything away from our defense, but this was the type of day where we needed to step up and capitalize on that, and they did. I mean, they they should have had a second interception from Kobe Bryant uh, as replay overturned it. We thought he completed the catch but uh, ended up working out well for Kansas. Point is, you know, they capitalized defensively on a matchup that should have, you know, given them a chance to to have an upper hand there. And yet, as you pointed out, still a Big 12 team. They still have Xavier Hutchinson, who's one of the top receivers in America, let alone the conference. And so to see Kansas put forth such a great effort defensively uh, is really, really encouraging. But I think for me, just watching some guys emerge Week to week here, I mean, Kobe Bryant is reminding folks of Aqib Tlaib, and and they're now wanting to print the Hawk Mamba T-shirts after he just continues to make plays. Uh, and you saw Kenny Logan with one of his most clutch plays, breaking up a touchdown in the back of the end zone that would have gone for six to Xavier Hutchinson, and he got there at the last second to break it up. You know, five, I guess technically six different Jayhawks had a sack, and there was one shared sack with uh, Sam Burt and, and Jeremy Robinson. And, uh, but Robinson continues to make his presence felt. Craig Young at the linebacker position, Lonnie Phelps. I mean, the list goes on and on. And to see some of those, those timely stops that they got uh, from a multitude of guys, it just shows you how five weeks in, some of these transfers are settling in now, finding their footing, you know, understanding their roles. And, and a lot of other guys are just emerging in this new look defense. And so, Felt really, really good for Brian Borland, our defensive coordinator. Keep in mind, guys, we'd had uh, Gene Wojciechowski here. We'd had uh, Fox you know, Big Noon Saturday here. Everybody doing these feature stories 
on Jalen Daniels and the Kansas offense. And Lance Leipold's getting interviewed. Andy Kolenick, he didn't get a ton of interviews, but but all the focus clearly was on this 48-point-per-game offense. Brian Boylan's phone wasn't ringing, all right? And yet, <laughs> on the week that, that all that happens, he goes out there and turns in one of the best defensive performances we've seen in 14 years and, and clearly wins the game for us. So, Kudos to them, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll start to see what it looks like where both are playing at a high level at the same time because that dog will hunt. If, if you get the defense playing like that and get the offense at least back to scoring in the 30s, uh, this, this team can, can beat anybody in the Big 12 anywhere on any given day. And I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying it's that type of year in the Big 12. K-State has proven that with their win at Oklahoma. We've seen that with you know Texas Tech being able to beat Texas a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be anybody's game any given week. And if Kansas can prove they aren't just a one-trick pony with this creative, complex offense with a great quarterback that they actually can D up to, then, then yeah, this isn't just a, a nice September, early October story in college football. This could be something that, that we look forward to all year long. Well, this is a fascinating story as well. And uh, this time last year, and I know you don't remember because you do a lot of interviews uh, with a lot of different radio stations throughout the state of Kansas. So uh, I, I know you probably don't remember this question, but but uh, or this uh, conversation we had regarding the coaching staff, what this coaching staff was doing, and they were struggling, and we knew they were going to struggle. We knew it was going to be a difficult year, uh, not to be where they wanted to be in the time that they wanted to be. But you and I talked, and you and I had come to the conclusion that this is the right staff for the right team at the right place at the right time. And uh, I'd like to ask you this question because you've seen a number of head coaches, a number of staffs in place at the University of Kansas. What's the difference between this staff and some highly touted Les Miles-type staffs? I mean, what's, what's this staff doing that makes this such a unique football program, such a unique turnaround? What's their secret? Well, first off, Paul, I remember the conversation well. I, oh, good. I you, you know, I, I couldn't for sure put my finger on it, but I felt like they'd probably get a win in Austin, Texas, and then race out to a 5-0 and start the next year. I'm pretty sure I said that, right? <laughs> that, that yeah, you absolutely yeah. did. <laughs> no, no. no. I, nobody saw any of that coming. Yeah, but, nobody. Uh, but one thing we did see coming was the culture build, and, and we've talked about this before with, with Jacob and Tommy, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, oh, okay. but it's worth bringing up again. It's worth bringing up that, you know, they're just so incredibly well-organized. Watching a Lance Leipold practice, the structure, uh, the, the position group huddle ups when they're off in their own separate groups, that the way it's run, it, it's a well-oiled machine as impressively organized as anything I've seen. But I've talked to these guys in previous episodes about how it, it's even the little things like charting, putting it on a 65-inch flat-screen TV as you enter the complex, who were the first five guys in that day? Who were the last five guys to report that day? Who were the first five guys on the practice field? Who were the last five guys to leave the practice field? Who increased their you know, lift over the past week and their body mass index, all this stuff? It's all charted up there. And, and that's something that Matt Gildersleeve, the director of sports performance and somebody that does our, our leadership training for the captains and, and positional leaders on this team, that he's implemented. And it just – it creates a iron sharpening iron, everybody pushing one another, you're, you're racing to get into the facility on a given day type culture that 
it makes it exciting to go to work each day. You know what I mean? And, and they're practicing at the start of every day in the mornings, which is different. And they're, they're just instilling little habits that, that I think build off one another and propel things forward. And so that's, to me, the secret, or, or however you termed it, you know, that's the big difference between the previous staff. And then, you know, to be fair, scholarship numbers have caught up, and, and they've chosen wisely with those scholarships that they've given out. So there, there are several things that have allowed this team, with the portal success they've had and the numbers getting back up again scholarship-wise, you know, to really take off and flourish. But whether they have the numbers or not, the previous coaches struggled with, I still think you would see – a tremendous uptick in execution and performance just based on the culture change that we've seen under Leipold. And, and that's something that, you know, is, is very, very special for us to see having gone through five different coaching changes since Mangino. And, and the biggest reason that you're seeing Kansas do all they can right now to come up with, you know, the most uh, attractive fit for Lance to keep him here as long as possible. You know, it's interesting, Brian, as we talk about that, and we'll get into the Wisconsin. We're going to go into some of the things Leipold said. I think, you know, I'm going to guess from your perspective, not a whole lot has changed in that world. Um, But we'll play folks that audio, you know, after we talk to you and and just let them hear that it really hasn't. I mean, everything's kind of the same. I'm sure that KU Brass is working on a new deal to make sure he stays there, and and I'm sure there's interest in some of these other jobs, and we can cross that bridge later because – Ultimately, this is all happening because of the wins, and I would suspect that we think this is going to be the toughest one to get of the six games they will have played thus far. TCU looks fast, they look athletic, and they just sort of woke up to the the, the world to what's going on with their new program down in Fort Worth last week. They did. They did. And to start the homestand, I would not have guessed that this was going to be the toughest of the three but uh, looking at what they did last week, and you know, they, they obviously, I, I quoted the first half numbers. I mean, they were just blowing the doors off from right out the gates. And we were doing our pregame show at the time. They had the 11 a.m. game. We had the 2.30, and we had the TV on. We kept looking up. I'm like, what in the world is going on with TCU Oklahoma? But you're right. They are so athletic. And uh, I, I do think with Sonny Dykes, they're very well coached. As you know, I spent four years at Texas Tech. And so the Dykes family legend down there is – it's pretty huge and, and uh, very respectful of, of what he's done there. And the story of Max Duggan losing his job to start the year and then now, you know, four weeks later gets it back and, and is your national player of the week and all that's a pretty great success story. But I, I think that for Kansas, you know, clearly it's, it's going to be a matter of do we have the better of the two defenses? And there's not many years in the – Gosh, what is it now? Uh, 11 years the TCU's been in the Big 12 where we would have felt like we had the edge uh, with the two defenses because they've produced so many pros on that side of the ball uh, with Coach Patterson on the sidelines. But I do think the way Kansas played last week and what we've seen emerge these last couple of weeks that Kansas might have the better of the two defenses. The offenses, I think, um, you know, we might have the better offense, but right now based on the way they looked last week, I think that's more of a push. Special teams remains to be seen, but Kansas has really been stepping it up there of late. So um, I'm excited to, to see, you know, which defense can step up and, and, and slow the juggernaut uh, on the opposition side the most, who can force the most punts. I don't think what we saw last week is indicative of what we're going to see going forward. I think it was kind of a perfect storm offensively for Kansas where Jalen missed a couple of open throws that would have been 50-yard touchdowns, and then we just kind of tightened up after that. 
Um, but he, this was an offense, guys, that had punted seven times all year, all year before last week, and then had six versus Iowa State. I don't think that's happening in this game. I think this is a shootout. I think the Hawks get back on track. But which defense can make the first stop? Which defense can make the most stops? Uh, you know, in a game this close on paper, takeaways are obviously huge. So can we get one or two of those in the mix? I, I like Kansas's, you know, emerging ability to get the takeaway with a ball hawking corner like the Hawk Mamba, Kobe Bryant, and Melo Dotson back there as well. And Kansas special teams now twice in the last four weeks has come up with a fumble recovery on a punt. My same guy. Tory Lachlan. So that's that's really exciting as well. But I, that's how close I see it on paper, Jacob. And, and I do think that, uh, yeah, and we actually said this on last week's report. Everybody was talking about the ISU defense versus the Kansas offense. And, and I mentioned the undercard of, of Kansas, off, uh, Kansas defense versus ISU offense might tell the tale. Um, I, I think in this case, you know, the Kansas defense has a chance not to win the game in the same fashion that they did last week. But if they can slow TCU just enough, uh, you know, they, they can have a huge say in the outcome of this thing. And it doesn't have to be, you know, um, a 48-45 type game. I personally think this is more of a of a 38-34 type game. But I do think we're going to see a lot of offense. Really do. You know, when you look at uh, this game coming up, and, and, and I'm not sure we give enough credit to the receiving core at the University of Kansas, Luke Graham and Lawrence Arnold and Quentin Skinner come to mind. But the ability of this receiving core to stretch the field, I'm a little impressed. I think the numbers are only going to get better. But, I mean, you look at, at, at the, the, the number of passes or you look at the number of yards uh, on some of the longest catches uh, by those individuals, and you're talking about 36, 56, 73, 60. I mean, you're talking about guys that can stretch the field. And, and, and here again, uh, last week a couple of uh, – dropped passes, opportunities for more long gainers. Uh, talk a little about this receiving core, how it matches up with TCU. How important do they fit into the game plan uh, for this game with TCU? Well, it's, it's a great observation about how underrated and, and uh, non-discussed they are because so much of the focus has been on the running backs and the tight ends and obviously Jalen Daniels, but – this is a, a group that has surpassed every expectation I had for them heading in. It was probably the most concerning group when you lose Kwame Lasseter, who's on the practice squad with the Cincinnati Bengals right now. And coming back, you had some nice pieces, but nobody that you looked at as like this alpha that's going to lead the receiving core. And yet in this case, the sum of the parts has been pretty dang good. And you know, last week was a week where they didn't throw it a ton. They missed a couple of chances on the home run balls that, that weren't the receiver's fault. But what did the receivers do? They didn't pout and say, where are my targets? Where are my touches? I, I was talking to Andy Kotelnicki yesterday, our offensive coordinator, and he said, you know, here's Lawrence Arnold, who, who I know wants more touches, more red zone targets, all that. He was blocking his butt off uh, on the edge. Yes, Making right. big plays for our running game. And, and Doug Amelia, the transfer from Minnesota, is maybe our best receiver blocker. I think a lot of guys have watched him and kind of – falling into that mindset that, hey, we can make a highlight real play blocking somebody. It doesn't necessarily, you know, <laughs> get you as the focal point of the highlight, but 
in that film study on Monday, everybody's clapping you up because you (laughs) made that block to seal the edge. And and believe it or not, they're actually getting into that and behind that notion on a team that runs the football so effectively and does all the option plays that they do. And so I think that's an underrated aspect of this receiving core. I think Luke Grimm, uh, who I, I don't know if you caught this on Hawk Talk a couple of weeks ago, but he was one of our featured guests and we were talking about his toughness, and he said that his dad used to put a football helmet on him when he was a kid, like eight, nine years old, and tell him to run headfirst into the fence post on the deck, <laughs> or the deck post, I guess, <laughs> repeatedly. And, and he kept running headfirst into the deck post until he cracked the deck. And I asked him if the neighbors were calling, you know, the cops or child protective service, like, what's going on over here? He's, this kid's just running repeatedly into the deck post. And uh, and apparently that's what built up his toughness. But this little guy who, who switched his jersey number to 11 a year ago, he, he loves Julian Edelman. He wants to be that type of guy. Uh, I mean, he's he's gritty. He's tough. He goes into traffic, makes the big catches. He's back there on punt returns half the time. And, uh, and, and he's one of the more underrated, I think, players, not just on this team, but nobody's really talking about him in the conference. And yet, I, I think if you pulled a lot of league coaches and said, man, who's that scrappy guy with, with great hands that, that's not afraid of contact, that's not afraid of, of getting, you know, drilled over the middle against, you know, Big 12 all-conference safeties, it's number 11 for Kansas, man. So we, we may not have the – the five-star All-American receivers that are posting huge stats like Bryce Ford Wheaton or Xavier Hutchinson or something like that. But I like the collective sum of our parts there, and I like where their heads are at. That They can have a huge week by making two or three key blocks and, and, and a timely catch or two, and you don't have anybody back there saying, I need 10 targets a week. All right, Brian Haney, uh, we are coming up to the end of it here. You will hear Brian's call this weekend right here on KFH as you do each and every week. It should be a blast. Enjoy the festivity. Let's just keep uh, keep just chugging along here and enjoying this ride while it lasts. We always appreciate these visits. Hey, appreciate you. One more win, and it's all eligibility for the first time since the 2008 Insight Bowl, so we're real hopeful that might come this weekend but wow. uh, been sleeping well thanks to a lot of wins on the football field thanks also to the great night's sleep i get from my mattress from the mattress hub i told you earlier i went with purple after trying out the tempur-pedic and that's part of the customer service experience you get there you know i had 100 days to decide if i wanted the tempur-pedic or not and ultimately the purple was the right fit for my back made the switch and i've been sleeping like a baby ever since but the way they walked me through that process made sure i got the right fit for me is exactly what they'll do for you. So check them out at the Mattress Hub and MattressHub.com. Really appreciate their sponsorship of these reports. All right. Thank you, Brian, and we do appreciate them and your time. Good luck on the call this weekend, and let's do it again next week. Thanks, fellas. See you, There goes Brian Haney. There he goes. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll dig into some of the things Brian got into there as we wrap up our number one sports daily rolling ahead. 869-1240, the number. If you want to chime in, we'll play you Lance Leipold's audio from yesterday talking about the Wisconsin opening now. It's a it's a topic because KU just keeps on winning. We'll be back. Sports Daily continues after this.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, just a couple of minutes here, so we'll get you the Lance Leipold audio at the top of the hour um, as we'll uh, dig a little bit into the Wisconsin job. Paul's thoughts there. We want to get more into Aaron Judge's home run ball itself as we have a noted historian and collector, Paul Savage, on with us today. It's good timing. So we'll do all that in the second hour. Just a couple minutes here, Paul, uh, before we switch over to that hour. Uh a lot of good stuff there from Brian Haney. I, I think, you know, for KU, this will be likely the best team they've faced, I think, based on what we've seen from TCU thus far, that we can make that assumption. Iowa State's defense is really good, but I don't know how much you've seen of TCU, Paul. I've seen a little bit, and they're fast, they're athletic, and they're going to present some challenges, and, and I do think points will be... Uh, on display, not like last week. This will be a very different kind of game, but a game that we've seen KU thrive in in a shootout-type scenario, which they did basically every game before last week. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and and I will tell you that I saw about half of the game. I think I saw probably two quarters of the TCU-Oklahoma game. I found it fascinating because everything that you think is up is down and everything that's down is up. And the roles of reversal were amazing to me. The things that you expect KU to do, TCU was doing, and vice versa. So it was a fascinating game to watch. TCU's the real thing. I mean, their domination, uh, not only uh, at the skill positions, but also at the line of scrimmage. And you know I'm a line of scrimmage guy. You know that. And uh, there, there was uh, this TCU team is, is not a fluke. I think it's the real deal. And I find yeah, I don't it think they're a fluke either. And you know, one of the fascinating things for me, and I and I have a unique way that I always look at football teams, and one of the things that that if you if you look at a TV screen during a game and you see the little things, uh, Brian brought up uh, the stock block of of receivers. You know all the, you know what all one of the little things that all great teams do they stock block, and that's sort of a symptom of how how well coached you are, how motivated your players are. Is there any glory in being 
a great blocker if you're a receiver. There's not much glory. There's no categories. There are no statistics. But it's a part of being successful. And I loved his comment about uh, stock blocking by the KU receivers. That tells me, and particularly me, it tells me a lot about the University of Kansas. And uh, do I think TCU can win this game? Absolutely, TCU can win this game. If they play like they played against OU, KU's going to have their hands full, for goodness sakes. But uh, they're going to line up. They're going to play. It's going to be a uh, sold-out stadium. A lot of hype. You you know, everywhere these kids go on campus, people are talking about them. They're not talking about the start of basketball. And that's a beautiful thing if you're the University of Kansas. So, big game. Let's see what happens. But, man, oh, man, to think that we're halfway through this season, just about halfway through this season, KU has a chance of being undefeated. Unbelievable. I would have never thought that. I don't even think you would have thought that either. Would you have, Jacob? No, I mean, come on. Uh, no, nobody uh, saw this. Nobody. nobody saw this coming. And that's part of the fun of it, yes. honestly. Yes. But but I think what people did see coming was progress, right? Like we progress. all the that's, second yes. the second sports betting went live, remember, everybody's favorite bet was Kansas over two wins, which was the I mean, everybody's what. So, you know, we could all see the progress last year, but this has been just remarkable. Uh, to watch, and, and I hope all the fans enjoy it. And, you know, it's good for KU. It's good for K-State, too. I, it's going to add something to the end of the season. As K-State, and we'll have Tim Fitzgerald on tomorrow to talk uh, K-State's in their matchup in Farmageddon and Ames. It, it makes that relevant. It makes both teams better able to recruit homegrown talent, I think. Um, and as, you know, K-State is in a season where it has aspirations to win the Big 12, Right down the road, this happened. Like, all the spotlight and all the attention right now is coming to the state of Kansas for football. That's good for everybody. I mean, it's fun. It's more fun that way. It's not fun. I, I would, you know, some K-State fans may disagree with this, but I think an honest answer, it's not fun when Kansas stinks right. because it adds nothing to the rivalry. Now, now we're thinking about the Sunflower Showdown already, and now you're getting a little bit fired up about it, and that's a good thing. I, I love that that's happening all the way around it's better for high school football it's just it's more fun and that's what's that's what's good and i hope it's a blast regardless of the outcome this weekend and and the good news is the momentum's there and and it ain't it ain't gonna it ain't gonna stop now <laughs> uh all right let's come back let's get into lance leipold's uh thoughts yesterday uh, the wisconsin jobs out there now we talked about that earlier in the week wisconsin obviously becomes very interesting when you look at Lance Leipold's path to this point and the amount of time he spent in that state. We'll do that. We've got uh, Aaron Judge home run ball conversation to get to as well. Your calls, 869-1240. It's all Brockton Savage on a Wednesday. More Sports Daily right after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.